Pod Clubhouse's Press Pass. We're here today talking to Paul about his adventures at San Diego Comic-Con. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me. If you like this kind of podcast or our other podcasts, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a high rating so other people can find it too. Paul, I'm so excited to talk about San Diego Comic-Con because this is one you've been looking forward to for years. Now, this is not your first San Diego Comic-Con. It's my first in four years, though. Wow. I mean, I mean, no one really had it for the last couple of years. There was kind of that that little one that they had in the fall of last year. Yeah. But no one really counts that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're counting this one, and we're excited to hear about all the sights and sounds that you saw this year and heard and what the haps were. So let's dive right into day one. Day one. Well, first, I'd like to compliment the organizers and attendees of San Diego Comic-Con for their adherence and open-armed acceptance of the rather stringent masking and vaccination rules that everyone adhered to all the time. I didn't really see anybody shirk the rules and just be like, I'm not wearing a mask. It was 100,000 plus people all masked up in the same place, having fun. And they had other COVID protocols as well. You had to wear an orange wristband that proved that you had been vaccinated or had a recent negative test. They actually had organized with the service Clear, which you can use to get on airplanes quicker. Yeah, we we totally have it here at Pod Clubhouse and love it. Yeah, well, they had a Comic-Con special pass where you could upload your vaccination card to it and they would verify you and you could get through the vaccination proof line faster That's at awesome. Comic-Con. Nice. Yeah, so day one, Thursday. I did not attend the preview night stuff on Wednesday. My plane got in too late for that stuff, unfortunately. Um, there were some things that I really wanted to do that I that I saw that I was too late for by the posted time. But then I talked to other people and they were like, no, they kept that open later. Oh, <laughs> hate when that happens. But you know, that's a good reminder that you constantly need to be like checking your app and constantly need to be like actually just going and seeing what's going on rather than just relying on those pre-printed schedules, right? Because definitely guests change and panel times change and everything. And that's just the nature of going to a live con. Definitely the panelists change from what's posted. And then, yeah, the posted times may, may, they may stay open later. They may need, or like you said, cancel something that you have built your whole day around. <laughs> well, always handy to use those apps though, right? And ask around and continuously be like, you know, re-updating your spreadsheets, whatever you guys use to keep your, your panels in, in order. Cause that's hard, right? That's one of those things. Like we don't talk a lot about all the prep that goes into the planning, right? Of actually getting there. We don't talk a lot about that. But with a company like ours, we spend a lot of time pouring over who are the announced guests, the anticipated panels, but we never really know what we're going to get when we get there. That's true. They didn't 
have a solid commitment from some of the big guys, you know, until like two weeks before. Do you have any tips about like how do you usually try to organize your your panels or, or the things that you're going to go see? I mean, we also have interviews that we need to stick into the scheduled programming. But I know for our partner, Mike, he uses things like a spreadsheet or like, you know, writes it all out. And we, we do a lot of planning. I know I do myself. There's a lot of like times and cross-referencing. And if yeah. I go to this, then I have to miss this. How do you like to organize it? Same thing. Um, I used the app. I used a spreadsheet of commitments. And then I had my just my phone set up using calendar events to remind me that I needed to get to a certain place. But that all takes a lot of footwork to make sure all that stuff aligns because it's not all in the same place. And when you're using your phone, it's a very small thing. Like the app, for instance, the San Diego Comic-Con app, if you don't restrict what it's showing you, it'll just show you all, you know, 12, 1500 items that you can attend. Well, that's a lot for a phone screen to hold. And so, you know, you might want to cross check it with on your computer, you might need to use it on an iPad, whatever, whatever, just so that you can get all the information you can um, in your head and sorted effectively for you. But that's how I did it. I wound up using my phone calendar as like my final where I wanted to be listing. I feel like cons and live events like this are a little bit like Disney trips and like different families take different approaches to those types of things where some have every single reservation and every single thing lined up, every single, you know, pass and, and everything all, you know, lined up with spreadsheets and all the things you're talking about. And other people like to just fly by the seat of their pants. They like to show up, see what line's the shortest, head over here if it doesn't look like there's a lot of people what have you and just kind of wander so whichever way you do it you can't do it wrong right whatever feels good to you if you're a planner definitely plan because you're going to be uncomfortable if you don't and if you're someone who just likes to see what's going on and you know hey somebody's given a giveaway over here and you didn't even expect it so but you don't have any plans so you can run over there that's all good too right there are no short lines <laughs> uh, but part of our deal is that you know, we do have the commitments to go into the press rooms and things, which prevent us from doing things like like doing like the big Hall H line. A friend of ours of the show, Geekdom Fancast, Derek, taught me something on this trip. But it's sort of a gamble. And I didn't have the cojones to do the gambling. There is like a side entrance for the press to try for Hall H. However they may just tell you to buzz off. Like the press needs like an additional ticket to get into the press seating. However, if you're willing to stand in the sort of bullpen area off to the side so that you can't actually see anything, you can hear everything and you can see like the side profiles of everybody <laughs> on stage. This is like all the behind the scenes tips for you guys. Yeah. Then uh, you you can get on there. Like he was able to get in for Marvel without spending overnight in line. That's pretty amazing. Now, I'm 45. <laughs> and you're not going in for those shenanigans. And I am not equipped. <laughs> I can remember when we went years ago and we were eating lunch and there were people in a line outside and I was like, what is this for? And it was for something that was like two days from then. I kept asking, they, they said something like, oh, it's for Friday. And I kept looking at you and saying, but it's Wednesday, right? Today's Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are those committed line waiters and hey, they were comfortable. They had little hammocks set up. They had a little, little snack buffet. 
phase for themselves. Yeah. They were comfortable. They knew what they were doing. So if you're prepared and you have the right mindset of like, I'm going to be waiting for a long time. And part of the experience is talking to other line goers and, and sort of having this sort of camping sort of experience, then it can work for you. But that's not the way I do it. I have uh, day one to talk about. Talk to me. So I know you had the rookie panel and that that one didn't go as expected. Yeah, that one was advertised in the program as being a live panel with Nathan Fillion and Nisi Nash as they were talking about both the rookie and the rookie feds spinoff, which will feature... Nisi Nash, along with a couple other creators from the show. However, as they filled up Ballroom 20, which is, I think, the next largest ballroom after Hall H, the moderator comes on stage and says, everybody excited to be here on day one of San Diego Comic-Con? Everyone's like, yes, you're excited to see Nathan Fillion and Nisi Nash? Oh, yes, we totally are. Great. We're just having a little trouble getting the video connection up because they can't be here live today, to which the crowds booed. <laughs> we tried not to boo, but there was a definitely an audible like, kind of uh, in the crowd. And yeah, sure. I mean, they were there. Uh, it wasn't pre-recorded. It was live. And the moderator was asking them questions and they were going back and forth. You know, Nathan Fillion is charming, even on video cast. And Nisi Nash is also sassy and charming on video cast. But still, no one in that room came to sit for a Zoom meeting. <laughs> They've lost their appeal after all these years. <laughs> yeah. Pod Clubhouse is here to tell you there is a Feds rookie spinoff, but that's it because I left that panel looking for greener pastures. All right. Where'd you head to next? Okay. So from there, I decided to roll the dice and check Literally. out- Literally. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good one. And check out the first Hall H panel of the con, which was going to be the Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out next year. I got right in. So that was great. And I got some reasonable pictures that you can see on uh, Pod Clubhouse's Instagram of stars uh, Chris Pine and Hugh Grant and Michelle Rodriguez and Sophia Lillis and the guy from Bridgerton, Reggae or Reggie. Uh, no one could agree on the pronunciation of his name, Jean Page. They're all members of the cast. They were also uh, the directors. The directors are a team of directors. John Francis Daly, who, who knows? We might be related. I don't know. We spell it the same. And Jonathan Goldstein. They both wrote it and directed it. There was a running kind of sexual innuendo joke with Hugh Grant, which he was able to just roll right along with and uh, cast his, his charming smile across the audience. And to no one's surprise, this was Hugh Grant's first Comic-Con. Really? Yes. People were joking with him. They didn't bring sense and sensibility to the con. And he, no, they did not. Nine months? <laughs> no, none of those. <laughs> the, the joke was that he was uh, a, a dungeon master before he was even in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Like he was or he wasn't. I don't even, I don't, I can't even make sense of that. No, sorry. It was the moderator asked the panel if they were into D&D. 
and various people were. And then before Hugh could answer, Michelle Rodriguez said, no, he was into S&M. And then that's where the Dungeon Master motif took over for the rest of Hugh's time <laughs> on stage. But he was super funny, very out of place, obviously, uh, in this in this group. But I think that's part of why he's in the movie. Okay, I was going to say, like, so how does he fit in? It looks like he plays some sort of official or dignitary or maybe even royalty in the uh, movie. They showed a couple of clips and he looked to be someone in a position of power. He wasn't one of the adventurers. No, no. Okay. Well, do you feel like, uh, like over on Stranger Things, you know, they were doing the Hellfire Club with their D&D. Do you feel like that's like brought a little bit more like cool factor to the D&D world? Will this movie bring any cool factor? It might. I mean, they're going for a very funny take on D&D. Poking fun at it or like it's cool and we also have a good sense of humor? That, yeah. They're, they're putting a lot of humor into the script and i don't know if you like chris pine and the way that he delivers comedic lines then you'll like this because it's got a lot of chris piney you know dry delivery michelle rodriguez is not as well known for for humor but but, it, but the cast seemed to work together i mean the, the concept of, of a DD game is that that the teams are always mismatched because it's not really like a hand-picked super squad of of it's adventurers. Like the no, it's it's just a little of this, a little of that, and it just kind of you know it's a mismatch. Like an unlikely. What do they always say on like those movie previews? They're like right. a group of unlikely misfits type of thing or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so is it something you want to go see? Are you going to gather some friends together? Are you guys going to head to the movies when it comes out? And when does it come out? It comes out next. Next year, I think in March 2023. And yeah, I'd probably see this with with uh, my D&D group. It seems like that would be appropriate. I did see the first D&D movie starring like Jeremy Irons and Thora Birch with someone that's actually in my current uh, D&D group. And that movie was terrible. Matthew Lillard was in that also, who I saw live here at Comic-Con. How funny. It's what all, a crazy little yeah, mix. Comes full circle. <laughs> Full circle. All right. So next, I know you headed over to some FX shows. I know you saw American Horror Story, What We Do in the Shadows, Mayans, bunch of stuff. Tell me. Yeah. Well, situated between the convention center and the Hilton next door in sort of this little yard was uh, what they call an offsite activation, but it wasn't really too far offsite, which is just sort of like a sponsored experience for people to go through. And since they had a separate line that said press on it and nobody was in it, I was like, I have a little time for this. And so I got in that line. I met a reporter from Ireland who said that he had the Ireland's oldest TV and movie review podcast. And wow. That, yeah, so that's how he gets his invite is that he is, uh, he's been around a while. Experience, sheer yeah. experience. Tallest Irishman I've ever seen. Must have been 6'3 uh, at a minimum. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, they had people wearing, it was like a hedge maze sort of thing. And they had like doll parts and dolls situated in the hedges like mannequin parts and stuff sticking out to just kind of look creepy. I'm sure it looked a little better at night and I was there right about noon. So yeah, I could see all the seams and, and bubble gum and, and uh, everything keeping it together. But still, it, it added that some... That shit would scare me. 
Well, at night, they would also probably, the scary part would be that they had people in costume, sort of like the Lion King costumes where they needed to create like giraffes, you know, where they had had people with both hand and and foot, like, like stilts. Yeah. But no neck. So just no Im- neck. Yeah. So just imagine that whole necklace. shape. <laughs> okay. Necklace giraffe. Gross. But, but, I already hate it. But wrapped in like hedge maze material. So no. like ivy and stuff. No, so it's not for me. So they would come like out of the hedge maze and, and they're, they're meant to be very camouflaged. No, I can't do that. So then they had also like these women painted up as like living dolls with like seams and, and, and like big anime eyes big anime eyes right and uh they were pretty creepy um they had like a table of sort of like alice in wonderland's um mad hatter tea party tea party but imagine it had been there for 500 years and just left to rot like Mm. like that okay so this is all creeping me out setting a mood yeah yeah so so then from there there was a um uh, fitting the the one of the uh, events in this season of what we do in the shadows, there was Nadja's nightclub where they had a, like a 360 degree photo that you could take of yourself doing something. And, and so I have that photo, but I'm not showing that photo because, uh, it's, I'm sure, were, you, were you supposed to like dance? Yeah, you were supposed to dance. And, and as my wife can attest, I don't dance. So, um, yeah, mine's dumb. Uh, but I, I did it and I have the photo for myself and, uh, (laughs) and then they had like, um, some new material that they were also promoting, I think a cartoon coming up, but they didn't really have anybody pitching that as hard as the, uh, American Horror Story and Nodges. Always fun to have those interactive elements to cons. I mean, I think that that's so engaging. Like I like it draws me in so much where I suddenly, even if I don't really care too much about a show, if I have done some sort of interactive activity at a con, I'm like, I'm very all in on this show because one time I saw this necklace giraffe and now I'm in like, you know, it, it gets me. Does it get you as a fan or even as a critic? Yeah, some of it was obviously a lot more fun if you had a buddy or something like there was a in there. There was like a runway that was meant for you to take a video Mm. walking down the runway. And it had, you know, like blowing air and and like steam and lights and shit. And, you know, what am I going to (laughs) do? They had that same kind of thing at South by Southwest back in, I want to say, 2019. Um, and that was a funny element to get to do that. And, you know, you just walk the catwalk, Paul. You just act yeah. fierce. Yeah, well. Show me your Tyra Banks. F- uh, yeah, to, to no. Not, but, <laughs> Paul has no inner Tyra Banks. Yeah, I don't. But but uh, some people did. And they seemed to enjoy that that bit a lot. There were a few elements that I didn't stop with. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. And I'm glad I did that bit. From there, I got to meet some really cool people in the Solar Opposites press panel. I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan, and so getting to see Justin Roiland in real life was pretty neat. He is the co-creator of Rick and Morty. He wasn't there to talk about Rick and Morty. He was there to talk about his other show, Solar Opposites, which is on Hulu and just dropped its third season. So they were there to talk a little bit about that and the plans for the upcoming holiday special this year. Any details? Did they give you any scoop? They didn't mean to, but yes, they did. They have a surprise cameo for the Halloween special. If you recall, they had a 
Christmas special last year. I do. Do you remember that it was based on Jingle All the Way? Oh, yes, I do. do you want to that's hear- another covered podcast by Bod Clubhouse. We covered that over in 52 Weeks of Christmas. And so when I saw that Solar Opposites episode, I was rolling because... Jingle all the way is kind of friggin' obscure, really. Yes. And the fact that I had just seen it and discussed all the details, and then I saw the solar opposites, I was I was dying. What's extra funny about that is that they picked it for that reason, because it was a movie that basically people had forgotten, and that the other co-creator, a man named Mike McMahon, had only ever seen the trailer of Jingle All the Way. And so for his contributions, he wouldn't see the movie. He would only write based on what you could pick up from the trailer of Jingle All the Way. That's pretty funny. That's a very creative approach. (laughs) And he said to this day, he still hasn't seen it. You know what? He's not missing anything. (laughs) You can go your whole life and not watch Jingle All the Way. Although I do suggest you watch it in order to really enjoy that Solar Opposites episode. So this year they're doing a Halloween episode and Justin dropped the spoiler that they had included the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt, HBO, you know, 30 years ago sure. now. And they got John Kassir, the original voice actor who did the puppet's voice oh my God. to be their cartoon Crypt Keeper. God, between that and the Nicholas Giraffes, I'm having some scary flashes in my brain. Yes. Well, it, they showed a clip later at the general public panel. And yeah, it looks it looks super funny as well. But I think, you know, the Tales from the Crypt hasn't remained as in the public eye. Sort of a jingle all the way, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it got jingled all the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. So there you have the actual interview from that press panel that you'll be posting. Right. They um, did not allow video, but I was able to use my audio recorder and I got several pictures of Justin by himself, the three other cast members, Mary Mack, Thomas Middleditch, and Sean Giambroni, otherwise known as the kid from the Goldbergs. Oh, yeah. We also got to talk to some of the other producers on this show. All funny people, all super funny people. One of the questions I got to ask Justin was, how does he differentiate when he thinks of a joke between whether it should be a Rick and Morty joke or a Solar Opposites joke? And he said it was a good question. I love it. Well, where can they hear these answers to these thought-provoking questions? You'll be able to hear these shortly on the Pod Clubhouse Press Pass podcast or our YouTube channel where I anticipate being able to to not exactly synchronize but make sort of a little slideshow out of the pictures I was able to take during the my time with the creators and set it to the audio captured during the press panel an element that was cool during the the public solar opposites panel was that Justin is able to do his voices a little bit like Seth MacFarlane, but not, he doesn't have as many voices obviously as Seth, but, but he's still able to drop in, in and out of them reasonably quickly. So he was trying to provoke some of the actors that play the kids to use foul language because, you know, I guess it's unusual to see the kid from the Colbert <laughs> say the F word. And so using his Corvo voice created a situation on the fly where 
where he was conducting research and he needed to hear various uh, swear words, earth swear words or something like that. So, so then the, there was basically like a impromptu table read happening right there. But other people asked him, you know, the differences between Rick and Corvo's voice. So he would drop into Rick's voice and then Morty's voice and Corvo's voice. And yeah, it was, it was, it was that's the kind of stuff that thrills you to see live. It feels so like behind the scenes and like, you know, it's it's kind of mind blowing when you actually are looking at the person's face who's making the same voice that you enjoy on like an animated it is. show because it's like it's a real like disconnect. You know, I, I got to go to the Bob's Burgers panel over in WonderCon and to see those actors up on stage and then close your eyes for a minute and hear the characters voices. Crazy, even crazier when it's just their natural speaking voice. Well, that was the deal with the other three cast members was that is their voices, including uh, Mary Mack, who's a grown woman. She plays Jessie, but that is just her voice. Day one, Thursday is supposed to be sort of the softball day, kind of gearing up for the big events happening Friday and Saturday. But I got a lot of what I enjoyed out of the entire convention just on day one some of the best experiences I had were from that day. That's awesome. Well, I cannot wait to talk about day two with you. So you guys click on the next episode. Just let it keep running. If you subscribe, it just keeps going to the next episode. So totally get over there to Pod Clubhouse and subscribe to wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.